Howdy, folks. Thank God it's Friday. Friday means snow in Buffalo. And well, other days mean snow in Buffalo. How, how, how well did you, uh, how hard did you get hit, uh, Russ? Because I heard we got, we got about three, four inches, but it's gone. Like it, today was 50 degrees and sunny. So it all got washed away by this morning. I saw, I saw, um, you know, Michael K. At ESPN. He was like stuck on, I think it was the West Side Highway uh, in in New York, and like they, you know. But the thing is, like people don't realize, in most places that are not prepared for heavy snow, three or four inches is like three or four feet in other places. Yeah, I, that's Nobody, fair. I mean, when I lived in uh, Virginia, that's how it was. Anytime there was even just even a dusting of snow, you know, and I'm from Michigan, so like we had snow um uh yesterday and it you know it, it came down and it, there's still some of it on the ground but you know it was hardly even talked about you know you know like it was not the news that is and you know other municipalities well we got we got the worst kind of snow the worst kind of snow is that heavy wet snow yeah. that's it's just, just around freezing and then we get you get the rain and to this morning it was basically you know pu massive puddles of slush and it's 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 that it's the absolute worst because you know you're you're prepared for snow and then you get rained on and you get soaked and you know, the then, thing is though and this i learned this a couple of years ago there was a freak snowstorm around um late october and then it was one of those years where we maybe got three snowstorms and that's it. And so I'm hoping that that's the kind of year it is this year because you got that freak storm yeah. and then it's showing it's even going to be in the 50s next week. But what happens is the budget doesn't seem to kick in for snow removal until like after Thanksgiving. So right. with freezing rain like there was yesterday in the New York metro area, people really did get screwed because it's like there was nothing to save them on the road other than their driving skills and their car and you're depending on other people's driving skills these days to save them in bad weather you're done yeah. i i'll tell you though i i admire and marvel at the good people of buffalo there's no hardier people like no that's true like they they you know snow is nothing to them no. you know you know they they you know they they, they spit on snow you know i mean they just <laughs> they, they just you know, march through. It's just, they get so much snow and all the time, and it just never stops. Like, if, if there's a lot of snow and you're going to a game in Buffalo, every seat still is filled. Like, they, you know, they, they know what they're doing, and they know how to deal with snow in Buffalo. So. Well, Kevin, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was just talking to a friend a few minutes ago who was from the area, and we were talking about – because the city of Buffalo – Buffalo gets hit with snow, but it's not the city. It's just south of the city, which is exactly where Orchard Park is. So Orchard Park and all these suburbs south of the, of the city of Buffalo get feet, tons and tons of snow. Right, right. And this in the suburb that I live in right now, or the city, very rarely do we get um, heavy, heavy snow. And when we do, we're we're basically paralyzed, like places that don't get snow. Yeah. It's that those particular areas south of the city of Buffalo that just get absolutely destroyed. And that's the folly of the of of the fact that they built the stadium in the worst possible place. All right, so I've got something for me that broke yesterday that is from CBC. So I'm assuming the source is good. CBC.ca. Okay. okay. Gunni Johansson, who is the president of Iceland, once said that. I know where you're going. <laughs> once 
once said that basically pineapple pizza stinks, right? He made a disparaging remark about it. But right. yesterday he came back and he walked that back. And my thing is, don't walk that back. You're right. Yes. Pineapple should never be on pizza. Why would a president walk this back? Is he worried about Canada? Seriously? He's worried about the pineapple faction in the vote. I will say, Russ, and you and I are in agreement on that, that there is something worse than pineapple on a pizza. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it is pineapple on a leftover pizza, a (laughs) two-year-old pizza. Like, like, I, I like leftover pizza. Yes. Yeah, I really do. But Pineapple pizza, is, it's like even worse than when it's fresh on a pizza. <laughs> it's soggy, and, and, it, and it, it just sort of infringes upon the entire pizza, and, and it's, it's just awful. And it's not just it, – because it, around around here, the, the, the Hawaiian pizza is pineapple, it's, it's ham, and, it's, and, and some places put cherries on it. It's absolutely – disgusting i mean I, I like pan i like pineapple i just cannot fathom pineapple on a pizza and i don't know who would want to admit that you, you invented pineapple on pizza because you should have been taken out and shot well that's the thing <laughs> I, I know it was invented in canada right but they act like it is a crime if you say something about pineapple pizza even on facebook if you say it I have Canadian friends that say oh it's great or whatever i guarantee you they're not ordering that at home i guarantee it nope no. It makes sense that it was it came from Canada because it's really not American. Uh, <laughs> I really don't know any other way to put it. Like you know, uh, I, I would say uh, oddly, you know, as I've gotten older, my favorite pizza has uh, now includes bacon. Like I love bacon on a pizza now. Like the meat, it, the meat lovers pizza with bit bacon. Well, I mean, I, it doesn't have to be meat lovers, but I, you know, I like woke up one day. I, I believe it was a Tuesday, and I thought. <laughs> I, I think I would like like bacon on my pizza. You know, I, I started ordering it. Now, you know, if I'm having pizza, and to be brutally honest, I really don't get pizza that often. But when I do, I like bacon on my pizza. Yeah. So I, I get you know. pizza a lot here, but um, I will say this. In my bacon eating days, because I don't eat pork bacon anymore, but when I did, it was good on a pizza as yeah. long as there's not too much. Because if there's too much grease from the from the bacon and with the grease from the cheese, it could be too much. Yeah, well, I, we're on pizza. I will say this too, and this would be an old timer, but you know, back when you used to get a, a pizza when I was a kid, like it, it was burnt a little bit. You yes. know, like the cheese it would be a little bit darker, mm-hmm. and you know, you could actually tilt the pizza, and it would not slide off. Today, they essentially just run it through the oven yes. at a high velocity speed, like it just zips through the oven, so that it barely has cooked. Uh, you know, and then if you just tilt the pizza, everything just kind of slides off. I like my pizza cooked. How, yeah. how do you how do you know that a pizza's a pizza has been cooked the right way when you have the pepperoni that's burned on the edges with the pools of fat in the middle in the middle? Yeah, of here's it. the that's thing. Exactly I, right. That's exactly. I, right. I will do this with the pizza and get some of the excess oil off. I will. Yes. Yes, and I will hold it horizontal and do that. And to me, the only thing that's more anathema that than pineapple is anchovies. They're disgusting. Yeah, I mean anchovies on a pizza. Well, I, I would never order anchovies on a pizza, but I, you know, I don't. You know, I've had them on Caesar salads. They're okay. Sure. Yeah. I'm not an anchovy yeah. person, but I, I don't. Especially if they look, like, if they look like uh, fish, I'm not into that. 
they're staring up at you yeah <laughs> no, um, but the um so the, the 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 best pizza though of all right now for me is this i'm going to show you guys the link because now i'm not usually you guys know and kevin you've been you've, you've eaten plenty of times to know that i'm not a really big um health food person like i don't care if <laughs> like, i'll eat anything um you know i'm not usually i mean i like to try to lose weight and you know not eat as many carbs but um so i found this pizza at costco okay so <laughs> nothing says quality pizza like costco costco has really quality stuff by the way costco yeah, they have quality stuff but we're talking pizza no, frozen. <laughs> no, no, i'm gonna say that this is obviously frozen pizza no, look, i eat frozen pizza too but it's got to be like a wood fired it's got to be something this pizza. is good frozen pizza ready let me tell you about some dominoes this is the stuff okay right here it is let me get it out of here so hold on, here it comes so this is what you want to try this stuff okay this is all right this is Cauliflower crust margarita. Yeah. My 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 wife makes that from scratch. She makes cauliflower. Okay. okay. It's actually not bad to be honest. This is amazing. Oh, I could see that being good if you do it on do you do it on a pizza stone? Yeah, yeah. 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 My yeah. wife makes uh uh and you also you can do it with um we haven't had it, but uh there's another vegetable. Um I wish she was here and I'd ask her, but um, we we have cauliflower pizza, and you, you can do the, you can whatever you put on a regular pizza, you can. Yeah, and, and it's, cauliflower crust is difficult to make, but if you do it right, it's it's. it's yeah, it's, yeah. My my wife and, and uh, two of my daughters are vegetarian, so yeah, you know, I I know kind of all about vegetarianism. I, I do not embrace the lifestyle, but no, I, I don't at all. I mean, in fact, you know, my wife's a vegetarian. I try to whenever she doesn't have meat, I try to have extra meat, but um. Yeah, yeah. So my kids yeah. don't eat meat either. But I'm telling you, this stuff, it it like oh, it looks good. I you know, and it's non-GM. I I like everything that it's got on it. My grandfather. I found it says people are obsessed with these cauliflower pizzas at Costco, and I'm telling you, that came out in May, and I am one of those people yeah. that's obsessed. With it, it. Takes, it takes a, 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 a as you mentioned a long time to make that pizza, but it, yeah. if you go through it like. You know, you really do forget that you're eating cauliflower. It really is has a crust, uh, a crust like. It well, does. Because cauliflower, cauliflower doesn't have really doesn't have a lot of taste. I mean, it's yeah. And I and I, I actually like it. It's you know, it's. I mean, you can cauliflower mashed potatoes, cauliflower spaghetti. Cauliflower is like the cauliflower perfect rice. Yeah. Cauliflower, cauliflower rice is unbelievable. Like yeah, I've got a batch of that now. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, so that's my my suggestion. Go to Costco, get yourself cauliflower pizza, try it. You'll be blown away. Like I'll go there and I'll buy five boxes of it, you know. And it's just like it's my go-to snack. Act, we should sell this show to the Food Network. Let's go. I wish we should. <laughs> Maybe they would take it over for us. That would be nice. All right, let's talk about hockey. Let's get I'm sure that no hockey player eats cauliflower pizza. <laughs> So. I yeah, you you used to, but you know, it wasn't you. I was talking to that said like some of the players now are upset when they take out a young kid and they want to take him out for a big steak dinner and he's like eating a salad and. They're, no, and no they're, what they're, what I was told is is a player told me a veteran player said if you want to eat a hamburger you got to do it by yourself. Yeah, yeah, like you can't. They they, they if you are with a teammate. He'll give you grief for eating a burger. Yeah, they are. They're all into this. I mean, they are very actually health conscious. A lot of them are because they're they're working out so much and they're getting. You know, they have personal trainers and they're all like trying their best to. Per perfect timing, Peter. You just missed the pre-show. It was a heavy food pre-show, so now we can. Well, I just had to take my kid to Popeyes for his first time ever. My goodness, <laughs> we, we just besmirched Canada for eating too many uh, Hawaiian pizzas. Yeah, I call yeah. them un-American. Look, so, very un-American. 
I will say this. I won't talk around about pizza around Russ and Mike because it's just, it, there's no winning in this game. There's nope. just none. Let's nope. say we were talking, there was the president of Iceland who killed the pineapple pizza, and then he just walked back the comments like yesterday, and it's just like he should never have done that. He made a good stance. He should have stuck with it. Yeah. He was getting sued by Dole. That's what happened. Yeah, whatever. Right. As a teaser, guys, I'm going to throw. I'm going to give you a statistic in the beginning of the show that's going to blow everyone's mind. Okay. Just all right. Like one of the best statistics I've come up with all year. I, you know, I like to try to come up with mind blowing statistics. This one is absolutely insane. All right, ready? Mm-hmm. Here we go. Hello, Hockey World. It's Friday. Thank God, it's Friday, November sixteenth, twenty eighteen. I'm Michael Lagello. I'm Peter Jassier. <laughs> I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. I'm Kevin Allen from USA Today Sports. And I am Eklund. And you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com, in case you didn't know and you just happen to be watching a podcast. You're like, what the heck podcast am I watching? Uh, I don't know why I even say that. The Hawaiian Pizza Podcast. Yes. Oh, you're yeah. watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. Um, this is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world, if at all possible. And this first statistic today for everybody out there is it has to do with those, those crazy Arizona Coyotes, okay? Okay. All right. The Arizona Coyotes have been shorthanded 58 times this year. Okay. Yes. They have scored 10 shorthanded goals. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it is crazy. They give them the league's 22nd best power play percentage yeah. as a shorthanded team. Yeah, yeah. They have more shorthanded goals than they teams. have power play goals. Yeah. They, if you watch the Coyotes now, they mention that every game. And I'm a big Coyote watcher. So. But just like, the fact that you that you know that they're that they're seventeen point two four percent scoring while shorthanded, yeah, right, is um that puts them ahead of nine other NHL teams while they're on the power play. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a, it, yeah. it is an amazing stat. Yeah, I mean it's it's really uh, just goofy. Uh, there's no other explanation for it. I mean, how is it? We have seen a lot of shorthanded goals this year, though, in general, and I'm wondering. We've seen more scoring. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, I'll, I'll give a, I'll give a reason why because Toronto scored a, a shorthanded goal in the game against San Jose last night. It's because more teams are using their offensive players in penalty killing situations. They're not using specialists. I know that Toronto has been using Tavares and Marner and Kasperi Kapanen, and and other teams are using you know, the guys. They're they're maximizing the impact of their of their top six forwards. On the power play, if they're quick and if they get on the other team's uh, point men, they create situations where turnovers happen, and these guys can take advantage of those turnovers. Unlike a Michael Grabner, who I don't know how many goals he has for Arizona, but Michael Grabner, the one year with the, with the Leafs, he I think he had ten breakaways shorthanded and scored on none of them. I remember that one year, but then there are other years where he's had a lot. Yeah, yeah, Grabner, the penalty kill breakaway artist. So. Yeah, the penalty kill is a is a skill position now. Before you just wanted guys who could get big Craig Ludwig's right, who had shin pads the size of tree trunks and could just block the puck. But the point is, is, is what I think coaches have realized is that you block a shot, and particularly from the point, that puck's an available option to go do something. So why put just a slug out there? Right. There's a skilled option here to take advantage of it, and. It's the evolving change of coaching tactics in the NHL. I know Wheeler and Shifley are one of the top, they're the second um, pair of forwards on the Jets penalty kill after Lowry and Tanev. Yeah, the Flyers don't have one regular season. They got like one or two in the short, in the uh, preseason, but they don't even have one in the regular season yet. 
Well, let me let me bring this up because we were talking about it yesterday during the show, and then the the penalty came down, uh, Peter. Uh, Josh Morrissey, I think it was like an $8,500 fine for the um, check and slam of TJ Oshie uh, yeah. in the game on on uh, on Wednesday. And Kevin, this was almost exact in terms of the the play that Michael that Mike Matheson of Florida got suspended two games for for Elias Pedersen. And the only thing I can see between the two that was different was that Pedersen got hurt and was concussed and was out for a week or two. And Oshi got up and was still staggered, but went to the front of the net. And I haven't heard anything about any kind of adverse effect. It to me, it's symbolic of it's the it, it's the end result and not the actual infraction. And I, I have a problem with that. Well, I, I don't because that's the way the law works. You know, if you come up and try to kill me, your penalty is a lot different than if you actually kill me. Right. Uh, and if you cause me great bodily harm in your attempt to kill me, you're going to be penalized more. That's the way the law works. Why wouldn't it work in terms of the supplemental discipline? And, you know, they, they don't, you know, they always say right up front that, the, you know, they take into account the, uh, you know, the injury that suffered and that. That's just the way the law works. It makes a lot of sense to me. In fact, I don't. I think to do it any way but that would be illogical, in my opinion. Now, what did you think of the Tom Wilson situation with the 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 the, uh, the suspension well, being taken down? I, I just think that the PA is doing an incredible job with the arbitrators, or the arbiters have just decided that they want to kind of prove that they have some value. I mean, I I thought, um, you know, with the sake, let's just go back to the Watson. Uh, one like you know why did that arbiter think that his opinion was better than Gary Bettman's opinion that yeah you know like it's just to me it was just you're like throwing darts you know I mean like I I you know that that's just very subjective there um you know so I I don't know I mean I, I regardless of what he ended up uh getting I think Wilson the NHL did its part it, it was their job to tell Wilson, you know, we're not tolerating this anymore. And that was a heavy suspension. Like a quarter of the season is a heavy suspension. So, um, you know, but I, you know, I'm not going to say the arbiter was wrong. I'm not going to say he was right. I, you know, he just needed to make a call and he did. But I was actually surprised. I thought that was, you know, quite a reasonable um, penalty for a guy who is, is a repeat offender by, you know, by anyone's definition. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought, it, I, I don't know. I, I really think that the fact there was an arbitrator at all in this situation was bizarre, you know, totally bizarre to me. Well, I mean, that's within their rights. Like, I get that. I mean, you know, you want some sort of, like, it does seem uh, wrong uh, or unfair that Gary Bettman would have the final say on everything affecting a player. You know, there, there needs to be some means of an uh, of some independence you know, having an outside. So, you know, it makes sense. They go to the outside uh, arbiter, but, um, you know, I, it, it's every ruling has gone for the PA in, in these yeah. cases. So and no, it seems like it's, I mean, it's not going to go suddenly the other way, right? Because the PA is bringing up the, bringing up the argument. So I, I, I tell you though, what, you know, if you're Sunquist, like, uh, aren't you ticked by this? Don't, doesn't the PA represent you too? Yeah, um, yeah you know, that's, that, that's they, a great they, thing. I agree with you. They, they represent the, the, both the victim and the assailant in this case. 
And so, shouldn't, the, shouldn't the actual victim be, you know, have a little bit more? There should be a victim statement. He should be able to come forward and say how his life has been altered. Well, we, really we were talking about this, Kevin. You laugh, you laugh, but I think that's that's true. I mean, why wouldn't there be? Well, the arbitrator. Well, but here's the problem, Kev. The arbitrators know nothing about hockey. They only know what the rules are and what's brought forth in front of them. And I do think instead of just having a cold, hard arbitrator, that you should have hockey people making this decision with an arbitrator. It's a great suggestion, Russ. I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, I, I, what I, I think. I, so. <laughs> even better suggestion, which I thought was absolutely hilarious and not, of course, but that the, arbit the arbitration group should be made up of a, of a group of players' wives. <laughs> and to see exactly where, see exactly how they would respond to this, because you know, I mean, these are the guys who have to deal with the guys with concussions that are hurt for a while, and, and you know, it's partially joking, but partially, you know, like kind of what you're saying, Kevin. It does affect people. I mean, it, it this is actually bringing a person back like that, you know. As as long as you had Hoffman and Carlson on that panel, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> let me let me bring up this story just because it sort of explains. Like, I, I really shouldn't demean. Like an arbiter's, uh, yeah. um, you know, rulings because I do know uh, that you know they they put a lot of thought in this. Like you know, they're they're not throwing darts, even though it seems to us like they are. I mean, they do. I, I remember years ago. I mean, in the 1970s, talking to uh, Theodore Saint Antoine, who was a former uh, University of Michigan uh, dean of their law school, but he was known as uh, he did a lot of uh, independent arbitrator. Uh, uh, work and he did it for Major League Baseball, and he made some rulings um, that really sort of changed baseball. And one of them was on a pitcher named Ed Farmer. Oh, uh, I remember Ed Farmer, yeah. Yeah, and, and that ruling, I can't remember the numbers, but it was uh, the White Sox uh, were offering him. You know, let's just say then these are not the right numbers, but let's say they were offering him at the time four hundred and or, or two hundred thousand dollars, and he 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 thought that he should get six hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and um, then you had to take one or the other. You couldn't split the difference. And so uh, Saint Antoine heard both the arguments, and I talked about him later, and he said he was so bothered because he loved the, the game of baseball, but but and he thought that to pay Farmer that amount of money was not uh, that he wasn't worth that amount of money, but it was more fair than. The White Sox giving him two hundred thousand dollars because Farmer was very popular in the city, and he brought in people who liked to be there when he was going to pitch and all right. that kind of stuff. And he just thought it was the fair thing to do. He gave a lot of thought, and he was really bothered because after that, of course, everybody said, "Well, if Ed Farmer's worth six fifty, then I'm worth block." Yeah. So and, basically, Ed Farmer got five hundred, and the White Sox were offering yeah. three fifty. Is that what it was? But anyway, it did alter the game. Yeah. Um, uh, because people used Ed Farmer as a yardstick, and I, again, I remember him specifically. The reason I knew him, he, you know, one of my colleagues, was his nephew, and I remember him, you know, really being bothered by the fact he said it was the ruling I had to make because that was the more fair decision. So, you know, I'm not suggesting these guys don't, you know, try to put their heart and soul in it, but. You know, from the outside looking in, you know, I don't, I don't know what we accomplished by reducing. Well, like I would say in the act, they look at, they look at previous situations, and with the Wilson case, there was no previous situation. So then, if you look at something close, ooh, well, then you're definitely going, we're going to cut a lot of games from it. So that's the other thing is like now we're seeing situations, the same thing with Morrissey, where. 
those things didn't happen before, but now that that you know that body slamming thing has happened just about twice now. It's pretty we, close. We have yeah. breaking we have breaking news okay. here, guys. Uh, per Elliot Friedman, the Rangers and uh, Edmonton have made a one for one trade, going to the uh, Oilers Ryan Spooner, going to the Rangers Ryan Strom. Oh boy! Wow. I got to tell you, I think the I think the Oilers got a good deal here. Now, Russ, the only thing I can think of is Strom. I think he has one year left in his contract, and he's relatively yeah. and he's less expensive. That's and I'm checking the. the yeah, I think he's don't in need the, to worry about it. They just signed Spooner to a, a, a reasonable deal. Well, maybe that's. I mean, maybe yeah. they're Ryan Spooner had another year at four million dollars, so he was four million this year, four million next year. Uh, Strom, yeah, this Strom is three point one million for this year and, and, and next, next year. year. Yeah, so it's a saving of nine hundred thousand dollars. They did it to save the money. I think they did it because they weren't utilizing Ryan Spooner, so they traded yeah. him. And I'm yeah. telling you, they got a lesser player in return. Like this is a good. Well, I mean, it, it, you traded an imperfect player for an imperfect player. Um, you know, like neither one of these guys um, sure. uh, are are you know considered. Um, must-have um, players. I mean, they're uh, NHL talents, obviously. They're off offensively skilled, but Strom has been uh, never lived up to expectation. And uh, uh, Spooner has had spurts when he's looked really, really good, but hasn't had the level of consistency oh, that's fair. Um, as a two-way player that uh, uh, coaches like to see. So I, I think in each case, you know, you're getting a player with warts and you hope that he'll perform yeah. better for Don't you. The other guy did. I'll tell you what I don't overlook though that Spooner's a left wing and Strom is a center right wing, and there could be some issues, could be some tactical things there balancing out your lines given the sides that they play. Well, they had too many centers, the Rangers, like we all knew that, but but Spooner can play wing too. When they brought him in last year, he played wing and he scored a lot. My issue is we already know what Ryan Strom's ceiling is. We're not sure what Spooner's is yet because he's really never had regular playing time with. You know, any team really. Right. This is the third third team in a year that he's played yeah. on. So, so it's yeah, right. Yeah. But yeah. I mean this brings Strom back to the uh Strom was originally an islander, right? Who went in the fifth overall fifth overall this is, kid. Great guy. This is trading dollars hoping to shake something up for two teams because yeah. they both have a goal and assist. They both have reasonably comparable numbers, although Strom seems to be a little more, a little bit better production on the goal front than Spooner over time. Right. But there's no, it's more probably to adjust your own roster and, and trading a few dollars than it is to do anything else. Like, I mean, it's not earth shattering by any stretch, but it's curious. That's for sure. No, well, I think- it's, it's no different than the Pearson for Haglin trade in terms Thank of you know, two guys who have underachieved for yeah. each other. Yeah. I mean, yeah but with the kept only- on- Go ahead, Kat. Go ahead, Russ. Yeah, I was going to say the only difference with this is David Quinn's a new coach, and I think he just looked at it and said, I'm not going to have any use for Ryan Spooner, so Jeff Gordon went and traded him. I think that's really what the bottom line is here. Kevin, don't you think that – I mean, we know that Haglin is a speedster and and Pearson is not, but I can't get by the factor that Pearson's got another two years at $3.75 million and Haglin's a – a UFA at the end of the year, and there are some people who think this is the big, the, a signal that that Rob Blake is going to try at you know where he can to sort of shed some salary and try to reset because the the, oh, the, the yeah I mean I yeah I don't even think that that's uh, 
that you know we're guessing on that i think that's uh uh, definitely what they're going to do. I, you know, I've sort of heard in, in the trade market that, uh, that, you know, everybody said that one of the reasons it's no one's making any dramatic moves is, is that, um, every, you know, basically every team in the league, with the exception of the LA Kings, doesn't seem to know exactly where they're at. Like there are teams that were supposed to be near the bottom, um, you know, like, for example, the Vancouver Canucks, I think the Buffalo Sabres have been a little better than we thought they were going to be. I think a lot of us were bullish on Buffalo, but we didn't think they'd be off to this kind of start. There are a lot of teams like that, so it's difficult to know, you know where they are. But I think the Kings, as from talking to GMs, and I have not talked to Rob Blake about this, but the um, that seem to think that the Kings have sort have decided, boy, we're just not as good as we thought we were, and I think they realize now that you know their their team is not designed for the speed game of of the modern uh, NHL. Yeah. Act, act, this is a good excuse to sort of transition to one. Kev, Kevin wrote a piece in USA Today regarding some of the trades that have been made. It was mostly in, during the off season, right, Kev? Right. Yeah. And and some of the rumors that are because this is you know you're getting to the time now, the American Thanksgiving, which is next Thursday, where you know this is sort of the line of demarcation where teams say they evaluate what's going on and maybe they'll make a change and maybe they won't and obviously the Nylander thing in Toronto is contributing to that because there's a December 1st deadline i mean first kev what what, what in terms of just talk what do you what do you hear well you know i i've i've uh, did some uh, discussions with gms this morning about it just in general terms and uh, the feeling that people have is is that uh, if Nylander is to be traded, it'll probably happen to the West. Like Don Waddell uh, is interested, um, but it, I don't think he's willing to pay um, what Nylander is asking for. I mean, they they were really bargaining and shopping, you know, this summer. I don't think suddenly are going to you know make Nylander an eight million dollar player, and they wouldn't make that move. Um, but there's no question that they will give up a defenseman and. If they don't make the Nylander trade, and the chances are they won't, but if 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 they don't do that, I think there's still a decent chance that they'll move, um, you know, one of those defensemen. Um, and it, it won't be Slavin, and I can't imagine it'll be Hamilton. So, you know, it'll be Falk or um, Pesci or Pesci. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think the cost certainty of those two players is what's attractive to people who are interested in them. I mean, obviously their ability as well, but. You know, like, for example, and I, I know Mike's written about this. If you're Toronto, um, and, and not only do you want a defenseman, but you like the idea of having one locked up that you don't have to fool around with. Um, so uh, and that's why, to them, Pesci is probably a better deal than Falk. I think Falk has just two years left. He's got one, one more year after this year. Yeah, this year and the next year. I'm sorry. Yeah. So that's uh, that's why I, I, I think uh, – Toronto probably would prefer to have Falk in terms of his ability. If he um, was locked, if he was locked up, sure. Yeah, but but yeah. I think the fact that Pesci's yeah. under contract for five more years at four and a four point oh four point oh two five or something like that. Well, but the, the big fit that everyone seemed to hone in on to, when I was talking about it with people was is that um, uh, that that perhaps the deal could be made with Dumba in Minnesota and Nylander. Now the question is is whether or not Paul Fenton would be willing to do that. I mean his team's played very well. Yeah, they've sort of turned the corner here a bit too, Kevin. Like yeah, they're, no, they're and coming on. That and it was rusted to you know in our group who thought 
so highly of them, as I recall, at the start of the season. But they've they've played well. So, you know, that's why I'm a little skeptical that they would make such a bold move like that when they're playing so well. Kevin, I think, and this is just me, you know, putting pieces together. I think if it was a deal between Toronto and Minnesota, it would be multiplayer. And it might include Dumba, but I would be I would be not I would not be surprised if it included Gardner because Gardner is from Minnesota. He's look, probably looking for around what Dumba would get, uh, what Dumba got on a contract. It would give Minnesota a defenseman back, and Minnesota's loaded with, you know, young forwards like you know Jordan Greenway or Luke Cunning or you know or or Charlie Coyle. A two for two, that type of deal probably makes more sense than a one for one because they're taking away from their defense and they're and they're adding a forward. It might balance out the money too. See, but I I don't think that it makes sense from. Okay. The idea that they're going to make a run at the cup, sure. Like you need both of those players. I mean, you're looking to improve your um, your defense, certainly, but yeah. um, you know your offense is good enough as is. But you take Gardner out of that, you know, if you're adding one, you know, offensive minded player and then losing another, you know, I don't know. If I'm if I'm running for the making a run for the cup, I I, I don't know that I make that trade. I I would say more likely. Um, for example, let's just say that uh, they make that trade and they get Nylander back so they improve. Well, then do they turn to um, Don Waddell, who has two uh, right-shot defensemen that he's willing to move, and would they, you know, there be some sort of deal between Minnesota and Carolina? I think that's a possibility. Well, the, 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 the ironic thing is, and we thought, you know, we've always said when, when Eck would write about a three-way deal, everybody would say, you know, Looney Tunes. Well, last year, he was proved right because of – That's right, that, Mike. Don't forget that. I was yeah, because yeah, but he, he, it wasn't proven that he wasn't Looney Tunes. <laughs> That's so. true. But, but three but – I like three-way. that, by the way. I love I loved the Looney Tunes, by the way. So. Three, three, but three-way deals did happen, and that deal, Colorado, Nashville, and Ottawa, it came, it came off. Yeah. And I know Pierre Lebrun said yesterday, he says, I wouldn't doubt that there's a possibility of a team like Detroit would be interested in Nylander, but they don't have the pieces to give back to Toronto in terms of the defensemen that they're looking for. And if a third team got involved, that you could have a three-way deal. And it's not out of the realm of possibility now. happened, by the way. I'm not, it's not like, you know, I mean, I remember you people forget that Yari Curry was a flyer for like a few seconds. Remember, there were certain like, on the way to LA, I and mean, they they don't uh, have any luck. You know, Bob, Bob McKenzie, uh, I mean, this was several years ago. You know, wrote the thing about it where he he talked about how often they happen. I mean, they happen. They just don't happen very often. You know, it's just once in a blue moon. Is my yeah, brother. and trades and, and either do. I mean, you know, for what I do, trades don't happen as much as you know the rumors that you write that you write out. It, it, but I do yeah, agree. Cool. I, I think that what's coming down now, at least. My, my blog today and what I've heard is that Winnipeg might be the key player in a three-way deal um, it, that would involve Elander now, you know, and that, that would, you know, I do think that Jacob Truba is a, is definitely a target for the, for the Leafs. Um, and that's, that's the kind of player that they would like. Yes. Jacob Truba is not going anywhere. You don't think he's going anywhere? No. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, not, I, not, I would not. bow to Peter, but I, not from what I've, you know, been told. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't get anything out of out of that city's GM, but um, but just from other from I mean I do believe and, and Peter you, you know Peter would know better than anybody, but I I don't I'm not convinced that Truba's that Truba's that great you know 
Well, yeah. let me let me just say this because I I, I I think Toronto would love Truba and Truba would answer a lot of questions and he would be, you know, him paired with Morgan Riley would be a pairing that would play 25 plus minutes a night. And, you know, it would, it would definitely improve them in terms of moving other guys down. This that, would be that, that, wouldn't be three if, if, if they know that Truba doesn't want to play there. Right? That, that, right. That's what it down to, right? And, but, and Zach that, doesn't want to play there, but do they know that? You know, but that, a, be, that being said, I find it hard to believe that Truba – will get dealt during the year because no, I think Winnipeg no. is just like Toronto in terms of ca a cup aspirations. No. But in the summer, all bets are no, no, this off. Would, this would depend, Mike. That's why I say I don't think it would be. I think Nylander would pass through Winnipeg for another defenseman somewhere else. Like So that 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 they would be getting rid of Truba, but they would be replacing it with a different defenseman. That I, I, I'm I'm in complete agreement, Mike. That's my point. They're not trading him now. They're, they still think they got a shot to win the cup. And they might trade them this summer, but they're not trading them now. Like I, I, yeah, I, I just can't think of a trade that would make sense for them. I think the trade that makes sense for them, oh, Kevin, is if there's a way to take someone like Nylander and pass him through to get something that's – and I'll just use a name as, as, as just to throw it out, not that there's any direct correlation. But if you could get someone like Pesci to come back who's got cap stability for four more years after this season, and you don't have to deal with Truba's going to be six-plus million contract when you've got Bufflin, you've got Myers coming up, and they love Myers, and Myers hasn't given them any headaches. You've got Morrissey coming up for a new deal soon too, and you're going to have to deal with um, with uh, Niku too if he comes in. And they've got to pay Line and Connor. It, it's just that they can't afford it all. So I think they're open. They have a headache with Truba, and it hasn't been resolved. It's only been resolved through arbitration, and we know that's never a, a lasting cure for anything. And given that you know they work so hard to try and find a deal with him, and they basically said no, I think if they can head off a problem with Truba coming now, they would do it. But it doesn't involve just going. Nylander for Truba, if that was even the case, it would have to be a flow through to recoup what they lose in Truba because, and to your point, they can't afford to lose him without replacing something like him. Well, like, I, they, yeah, they can't. I, yeah, I, but I don't know why you do that if you're trying, because, you know, he's a good fit for a run at the playoffs and you can trade him this summer. Like, yeah. I, yeah but like, I, you you're, know, I you're absolutely right. I, I you're mean, absolutely right. I just, I just, I think if the right deal came through, I think Kevin Shevel Dayoff would have to to listen to it because or at least explore it because you might not get an essence where you can do this later. That's the bigger problem. I mean Truba right? is Truba's in UFA coming up, right? I mean no, no it's he's RFA one more year. So RFA coming up. So that's I'm, I'm, I meant that. I'm sorry. I meant yeah. that yeah, salary arbitration one, eligible RFA right. for one more right. year. Right, they can hold on and, to another year. Yeah, no, not half. Yeah. Well, they got they got this summer to you know to hold the sweepstakes. Right, right, they right, want right. to do that, so, and and, and they and they may probably they will end up doing that. But I, you know, I don't know. I, most of the GMs I've talked to thought he wasn't going to be traded uh, during the season uh, we're talking about now. So yeah, I mean, I, yeah, that make that makes some sense. I mean, I, I do know that. I mean, I want to bring Philadelphia into the Nylander discussion a little bit. Um, I was working on the rumor chart and which is supposed to launch today at some point and hopefully will um we've got about 25 players on it right now and um you know obviously um you know Nylander's on the chart 
But after uh-huh. last night's game in Philadelphia, I think things may be changing a little bit because, you know, Russ, of the injury now to Brian Elliott and the fact that the Flyers, you know, and Elliott, it wasn't Elliott's fault, the Flyers. I mean, the Flyers, no, I mean, that was a rough a- night. They hit six posts and all that stuff, but it doesn't matter. I mean, they lost 3 nothing to New Jersey. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a horrible effort in the sense that the power play still stinks. When they tried to change up the power play, it didn't work. They posts aside, they again couldn't get the job done. But I, you know what? I'm hearing the opposite act like Nylander to Philly wasn't looking good a couple days ago. Now, if something changed, we'll see. But Hextall doesn't do anything. No, I, don't, I don't think Nylander to Philly again. I'm thinking this is a three way deal. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, then that's a possibility. But again, Hextall's yeah. not doing anything quickly. Like, I know that his boss is actually um, been put, you know, been seen in the box with him, but still nothing's happening. Yeah, I, I know I know there can be an overemphasis on scouts being in the building, meaning anything or something. And I know I always say that preamble, but when the same scout is in Philadelphia one week and or last week, and then again, two scouts yesterday at the, at the uh, Flyers, Devils game. I just don't think they're doing due diligence. I think they're, you know, I, I, I don't think they're scouting for uh, the, the meeting that between the Flyers and the Leafs next week. I mean, right now everything takes, everything is seen through the kneel under prism with Toronto, and I think that everything means something in that regard until he signs or until he gets traded. So Sanheim, I have to interpret that. Sanheim is the Sanheim I, I got again last night is is the one like that's the guy that they're looking at, right? But it's it's got to be more than that, Eck. It really I'm does. I'm not saying it has to be more than that. I'm just I, you know, I don't know. And we, we can discuss how much, you know, we the debate about how much Nylander is really worth when Toronto doesn't think he's worth that much in the first place to pay him. They, they do, but, but, so. but, but they do think he's worth a lot. The problem is they don't want to pay him $8 million. Right. Well, that, based, yeah. Based, I know, on, I know. based on two they don't, to, they don't want to pay him $7 million from what I've heard. I mean, that's right. Like, they don't. They I mean, want to pay more talent. Like, so you're talking about a six, and and I don't. I don't disagree with them. I think he's a six million dollar player. Like that's flat out where I think he is too. I but think, I, I think, think most do think that, and I think that's another holdup in the deal. But like I said, you know, Dave Scott's been in Ron Hextall's box, and still nothing's happened. So I don't know if there's any urgency. That's the problem. Well, you know, losing games at home used to be a thing in Philadelphia. That, I know that was but, a big, big deal, right? So you went on the road. They win three. They won three out of. They got the guy, you know, three, they went three and one on the West coast trip, including Arizona. That was impressive. And that was at a point where everybody thought Axel was done, but then they come home and they lose two in a row at home. Um, and to, you know, to Florida and New Jersey, losing at home used to matter a lot more to them. Um, they might have to lose the whole homestand, all five games for something to happen. Yeah. And I mean, the, the next one is Tampa, so that's not going to be an easy one, but um, yeah, I think now I did hear in something else today that was kind of interesting. And that was Mike Smith's name mentioned and this is involving my, all my phone calls with rumor charts. Mike Smith from Calgary's name getting mentioned around, not to Philadelphia, but to Tampa, <laughs> which is oh. interesting because looking back to, you know, remember Mike Smith was in Tampa originally a long yes. time. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a backup. It was a backup. To he's officially out four to six weeks. Um, that we just got the text from the NHL within the last couple minutes, right? That that's four to six weeks for Vasilevsky. Yeah. Um, you know, the question is, you know, and, Mike, and they, Smith, Mike Smith struggled in Calgary. Yes, but he, he didn't, last year he didn't struggle until he 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 played well until he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Then he came back and he was not as good when he was hurt. And then they had to go to Riddich and and Gillies and other other yeah. goaltenders, and that basically ruined ruined their season. But 
he, I, I believe he's a UFA at the end of the year, and that's a stopgap move for Tampa if they think Vasilevsky. You know, I'm sure you know with a broken foot, he's going to probably be out closer to six, but you never know. But Louis Domingue and Eddie Pasquale. I'm sorry. It, it's well, not this, being... this is like, you know, Carter Hutton territory. Um, this is like, this could yeah. be the reason I bring that up is because this is a team that has serious Stanley Cup chances, right? They have serious Stanley Cup ambitions and they need a backup, I think, who can carry them if they have to, you know what I mean? And this is what I used to talk about Rennie and Hutton, you know, I really, you know, this, this is the same kind of thing to me that, you know, I like yeah. Louis Domingue, but he's not, are you, is he going to be? I guess here's the big question, Eric. With Riddich, I mean, the guy's literally only played 30 NHL games. Are they really yeah. going to give him the reins? That's really the question. Right. That is the question. And well, uh, I, I heard I heard in Toronto when Calgary was coming through there that they that they are not fearful of making Riddich the number one. So I, I think I think that maybe carries a little weight in terms of them moving on from Smith that they think Riddich can be the number one. But Kevin, just talking about Tampa and talking about Boston too, because I don't think we've heard anything about Zdeno Chara and his injury. Yeah. These are, I mean, these are big, you know, McAvoy's out for them, now Chara, and it didn't look good. And Vasilevsky, you know, six weeks in the middle, in late November and December, you know, you could come out of that being six, seven points behind a team in first place in the division. That's This is tough for Tampa. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I mean, look at the, the number of injuries. I mean, we always have injuries, but the, and, and, and yeah. the, the important players, that's the thing that yeah. strikes me. Yeah. Yeah, you know, a lot of very important players. And um, I I do think Tampa needs to go out and get a goalie. Um, I just don't think they're, uh, uh, Domingue in particular, I don't think he's ready for prime time. Um, no. You know, he has yeah. not, uh, you know, kind of showed himself that. And, you know, their backup, uh, you know, usually, and I, I make the argument that no matter who you have as a backup, they're not going to be able to carry you. But you got to do better than that. And I think Tampa will sort of look at their options and see what's available. I can give you a name, but I can tell you what I've heard about it. And Steve Mason's name is out there, but he's turning down offers because apparently he wants something sort of concrete. And I don't know if he wants like maybe two years of security. I'm not sure. But Steve Mason's out there. But yeah. four to six weeks, I don't think he's coming back for that. Is it concrete or is it the fact – I mean, I heard he's not taking offers because he doesn't know if he can play anymore. Like, he, he's okay, – And that could be it too. I mean, I'm, but I'm hearing he's not taking – really bad, and he, you know, he really was – he was very frustrated by that. That's what I heard about me. Okay. And that may be true too. So we at least both heard he's not – he's turning down offers. Yeah, he's definitely turned down – he turned – I heard he turned down a possibility of going to Pittsburgh actually. Like early. Okay. Yeah. But so, um, I, don't, I don't know if that's true or Tampa, not. Would he come back and, you know, have a chance at winning a cup? Maybe. I don't well, know. The only, the only unsigned guy, and again, you don't know what what kind of what condition these players are, are in after, you know, is, is Kerry Latin and he didn't get signed. But, you know, he was he was not very he was not very good uh, in Dallas last year. So, I mean, there are go there are teams out there like Carolina who's got McElhaney, Mrazic and Darling. That maybe they could they would be open to trading one of them, but yeah, Tampa Bay's in trouble because you're not you're not going to get anybody close to Vasilevsky, and when you get him back, trouble may be too strong. But you know, they're just I mean, it's not like they're going to miss the playoffs. But no, no, of course um, not. But you know, I mean, they're you know they're division lead, Um, and I you know guys come back from broken bones. Like I I don't know you know I certainly haven't seen the X ray nor. Do I play a doctor or am I a doctor? But, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, guys come back in four weeks, I think, from 
yeah, sure. if the bone is, uh, um, you know, uh, if they're quick healers, I guess we'll say. For yeah, it's better. It's better that than a than a high ankle sprain is. Easy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, it's better than a groin injury for goalies. I mean, there are certain things yeah, like goalies that's that, right. that really are issues with goalies for you sure. Has there ever been a time where there's this few half decent quality backup caliber goalies available? I can't recall when I've seen so few around. I think, and there's a reason for that. I think you're absolutely right. But there's the reason is that with parity, teams are teams are making putting a lot of stock in their backup goalies. They, they, like, I'm just looking at a UFA list of goalies right now, and I'm I I feel like the guy from um, when they're looking at a, in the movie uh, Major League. Who the bleep are these guys? Like it's yeah, it's unbelievable. Like it's it's crazy. Anybody who we're looking for, Peter, a team seems to have this guy yeah. stashed like, you know, like Scott Wedgwood. He's still with the Sabres. We never hear about him. Jared Carroll, he's with Anaheim. We never hear about him. But the problem is, like, Anaheim's probably not going to want to trade for any yeah. of these guys. They probably are looking for a UFA guy, and that's yeah. that's why Mason is the only guy I can think of. And now Philadelphia is definitely not going to wave no. Calvin Pickard with Elliott and, and no. Neuvers both down, so – like I was just looking at um, Red O'Bara. Not that someone should <laughs> consider him, but just a name that came up. Actually, he, I've heard good things about him from players. Who he was him. with the Ducks, then the Gulls, then he went to Switzerland. Red O'Bara can play a little bit, but he's yeah. never had a chance to play a lot. Yeah. So we he's only thirty, so he might be serviceable. Texas. Say that again. Didn't he run for the Senate in Texas? Yeah, he's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's 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 loser Beto O'Rourke. Probably going to run for president now. So yeah. Um, yeah. Great. <laughs> I, um, another interesting stat that was sent to me, and this is kind of disconcerting, um, but I'll throw this out there, and we'll, we'll get back to some rumors um, if we, if we can. But we're running out of time. This this was um, that, that that Frederick Anderson now has more assists and more primary assists than Patrick Lining. Okay, which is uh, a <laughs> which is, which is yeah. really wow. I mean, and, and, and the, that's I mean, a great statistic, Act. That's a great statistic. And the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Toronto Maple Leafs lead the NHL in icings because that's all they do is the stretch pass. And yeah, Frederick on- Anderson can handle the puck really well, but he's got yeah. you know, and well, so he's, he got, can- he's got five assists, but he's got three primary assists. And- okay, but the primary assist part, I've spoken to a few guys about it, and I couldn't find anybody that feels like a primary assist is really worth more than any other assist. I don't see how that's possible, right? But I'm telling you, it's something that is overblown in the stat world. No, I mean, how can oh, that be? Because, because a play, most a lot of times the play doesn't start with the primary assist guy. It starts with that other pass, yeah. and then then. But that isn't the primary assist the one that passes to the guy who scores? Yeah, but the guy who passes it to the primary assist guy a lot of times made a really good play to do it. And right. he, sure, sure, but, but the guy who passed the guy who scored that should that means something. But, but if if there's only one assist on the play, oh, that's a different story. If you're going to track it to that well, point, then that's fine. Yeah, like, but then it's more. So then it's therefore more important assist if there was if you're yeah, only one assist. Yeah, exactly. You don't need two guys to uh, produce a goal sometimes. You know, no, if it's only a one, obviously it's important. But if it's you know, but I'm telling you, a lot of these primary assists when you go and track them, there are they are two assist goals, and a lot of times it is that other guy that makes a great defensive play to get it up the ice to the primary assist guy. Yeah. 
that, that's we fair, all know I, the I, analytics I, debate around secondary assists and stuff. I don't know. I, I just thought for a goalie who's like who is 200 yeah. feet away from the goal to sure, get more primary goal. assists than Patrick Line. A great stat. I like that stat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let, let me ask you about about your piece in USA Today because I saw Eric Carlson last night against Toronto. And there's just something off there. I mean, he doesn't have a goal yet. I mean, he he he's still Eric Carlson. He still moves great. He set up a couple plays. There was a power play goal where him and and Brent Burns uh, um, uh, combined to to set up uh, a goal. But he's not he's not yeah. the same. And it's it's the question of is it the injury? Is it the fact that he's with a new team? Is it both? What, what you know? Well, I, that's the only reason I you know he still is Eric Carlson. That's why I didn't give him a D. Like because he's. <laughs> Um, you know, you know, he's he's still the best offensive defenseman in the game. Um, but obviously, uh, you know, I'm not a a big plus minus guy. But when you're minus nine and nobody else on your team is anywhere near that, yeah, that's a telling statistic. Yeah, um, and you know, Brent Burns, who is a dominant uh, defenseman, is a plus player on that team. Right. So. You know, clearly he hasn't assimilated well. And I, I, you know, I think there's been an adjustment issue. I think he's pressing from when I watch. Like, I think he's trying to do too much instead of doing what he does best, which is just let his instincts take over. I think he's thinking too much. Um, but he really hasn't been the same player. And the fact he doesn't have a goal, um, you know, I mean, he is a statistics guy. He generates a lot of numbers and he hasn't been able to do that. And, um, I don't think they're panicking there, but I think they you know, clearly expected a lot more. You know, they didn't get him, as I wrote, for what he was going to do in October, November. They were really hoping yeah. they were getting him for what he could do for them in, you know, April, May, and beyond. And uh, so I, I, I think they're still, you know, thinking they're going to figure this out because on paper, having both Burns and Carlson right. um, uh, and Vlasic, I mean, that's just such a formidable, you know, top three defense and, and, is, and you wonder sort of like one of the things you look at this and it's more of a basketball point is that guys in basketball want to get the ball at the time to take the shot so how can you get all your when you have a bunch of stars a whole bunch of opportunities to touch the ball and get a look to take a shot hockey's somewhat similar in that in the way players play and what their roles are so you've got a guy like burns you've got a guy like carlson this isn't like having Pronger and uh, and Niedermeyer back in 2007, like Anaheim. It's a different situation because you also have Vlasic, but you have a whole bunch of forwards up there who like the puck too. And that's that's the difference. Like it might not be anything like I agree there is something a little off with Carlson just in the way he's playing, but also it might not be the right fit because of how your offense runs and how you transition the game and who's been leading that. And it's going to take longer than six weeks of the season to figure out. And right. You might have to make some tactical changes, not just thinking insert player a here fixes all these other things. Well, like, we did, we did talk stuff. about that. Peter. Yeah, we talked about a lot. We did because, you know, we do know that, that the power play was going to be affected. So it obviously it yeah. was affected early on. It was really bad for San Jose. And then, yeah, with Burns, we knew he gets a certain amount of touches, and you know this might take half a season to figure out unless they trade him again. Well, here's well, the thing. That, 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 you know, I've talked to a lot of people about this, and I talked to a lot of people about this when he was gonna, you know, when rumors were flying around about where he was gonna go, you know, where he was gonna get traded to. And the most common thing that I would got back, the most common negative about trading for him was that he wants the puck all the time. You know, yeah. that's what people would say that he's that he's gonna carry the puck up the ice. That's what he does. 
he's a puck carrier and he has to have, you know, he likes to be the quarterback and, and, you know, he is not in Ottawa. That was fine because there was no one there, were, you know, stone and those guys, I mean, stone's a great player, but you know, and, but they would let Carlson handle the puck all the time. I, I think he's handling the puck a lot less. And I think that that's got to be uncomfortable, you know, coming up the ice looking for passes or looking where to go when he's used to being the quarterback. Yeah, yeah. The, the only the only thing I find hard to believe out of the out of the trade scenario is the fact that again San Jose I think has aspirations and they, they you know they didn't give up a ton for him, but when you have a Carlson and your aspiration is to win a Stanley Cup, you keep a Carlson. I I, I, I can't, think they'll keep him right until the deadline, but for some reason, if it's not working out, then they might move him. But oh. they won't. They'll have to trade him to the West because there's that penalty in the contra, in the in the uh, in yeah. the frame. I, I, yeah, I, I agree with Mike. They got aspirations. If they're in it, like if they're yeah. you know a playoff team, you know if they collapse, well, obviously, yeah. They I mean, let's not remember. Let's not forget how good Eric Carlson was for Ottawa a couple of years ago in the playoffs. I mean, he was great. Yeah. I mean, he was. I yeah, mean, that's what I'm saying. I, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't think they're panicking there. I but I I like X point uh, uh, and. You know, like he does want the puck all the time. Like he would have been a much better fit, in my mind, for Vegas, who doesn't yes. have anybody like him. Right. Um, you know, they, um, you know, they have Schmidt was their you know best defenseman, and he's not anywhere near the offensive defenseman that Carlson is. So, right. you know, he might have been better off. Like he would not be limping along at, uh, I don't know, eight or nine assists. Uh, you know, right now, if he had gone there. No, and I think that I do think that this does change perhaps the way Tampa looks at it this summer. You know, like I mean, I do think that when it all when all is said and done, because Tampa has the you know also has headmen, they have players who can carry the puck, and I think the foregone conclusion in many people's minds that I talked to was that he was going to go to San Jose, maybe stay there if things went really well, but still there was a fifty percent chance he wouldn't stay there, and he would go, you know, back, and then Tampa was the team that you know he wanted to play for, and that's where he would go. And, you know, but if you're Tampa now, you, that this probably does change things a little bit. Like it does change how you look at it. What, I mean, it, what it also means he does end up in Vegas. I mean, maybe this is where he goes because. What it also could mean Eck, is that, I mean, he's not based on how he's playing and his reputation is, I mean, he's a two-time Norris trophy winner. He's a great defenseman, but there is the concern uh, in terms of the drop-off. He's not a $10 million player now. Probably, you know, probably he's a, an eight to nine million dollar player. And does that bring other teams into the mix where they can afford an eight million dollar Eric Carlson rather than a ten million dollar Eric Carlson? I think that the you know maybe that brings Vegas in. Maybe it brings other teams in the East in. Yeah, honestly. you know who really could use him is Ottawa. <laughs> no, yeah. Thomas Shabbat's doing I mean, pretty good. That's what I was gonna say. Shabbat is. You know, without if Carlson's there, we don't see Shabbat doing that's, what that's a great point. But yeah, then that's you know, yeah, you're definitely right. I mean, Montreal, he would be incredible in Montreal, like that would be well, a great... I, I, what I was thinking was the right was the Rangers because they they'll have a lot of cap space. Yeah. So, I mean, in yeah, the, no, I agree with that. And they don't have that guy at the moment. I mean, Pionk is playing the part, but like I said, Pionk's got a lot of other shortcomings. So, Carlson's buddies with Lundquist, if he's a UFA, yeah, they're gonna talk to him. So, by the way, there was. Uh, Oh, just one thing. By the way, uh, the salary retained in that deal that basically balances out the the amount they the uh, the Rangers are retaining nine hundred thousand dollars on Spooner for this year. So the money basically breaks even. Thank God, my wife was just asking me how much money they were retaining on Spooner. So um, <laughs> kidding. <I'm> sorry, <laughs> that's good information. Um, we are a hockey show, after all. 
Um, but any, no, I'm just joking around. It's been a week, kids. Sorry about that. All right. So here is, um, you know, say what you want about Scott Darling, okay? Um, he's struggled. He's been up and down. But these goalie pads, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, because, you know, remember that the that Carolina Hurricanes are going to wear the Hartford Whalers jerseys? Uh, yeah. So these, um, yeah, these goalie pads are, are freaking amazing. The question um, I want to know is, are they, that's the question. Are they going to play Brass Bonanza? Yeah, they yeah. are. Yeah, they are. Yeah, I think they already do sometimes, from what I was told. I think, <laughs> I think they even do it now. But I just think these pads are amazing. And, they are. You know, those are Mike Liute pants. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Liute. Mike Liute's pads were like six feet tall, weren't they? I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, they were like the crazy. Scott Darling's six foot seven, I think. He's I know. Like, Liute's much smaller. Yeah, his pads were just like were just nuts. Um. All right. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today, kids. But thank you so much, Kevin. As always, you can follow Kevin on USA Today or at by Kevin Allen on Twitter. And um, for all the Liu was six two, so maybe his pants were six feet. I think. They, I mean, there were. There, he was in the era where there was no like they didn't care how big your pads were. Right. right. It was all pad. Yeah. He so. was. He, he was. I remember. It just seemed like he was just like the pads were at least covering the two thirds of the bottom of the net. That's true. So uh, that's where you can follow, follow Kevin, and you can follow us all at our at normal places, and you can find us there for sure. Um, remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. Have a nice weekend, everyone. Enjoy the games.